When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us on this Thursday afternoon, wherever you may be watching or listening. That includes YouTube on the Outkick channel. Hope you'll subscribe and join Chad in the chat while you're there. Pound the like button and uh, ring that bell. That way you're alerted anytime any show goes live. And you can check out all the great on-demand content there as well. And uh, thank you for tuning in to this uh, great radio partner. Uh, today we talk a, a lot of football uh, throughout the first hour we've got Shane Beamer head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks coming up in a little over an hour from now in 20 minutes Armando Salguero will join us with the latest across the National Football League including Saquon Barkley Chad uh, I don't know if the Pac-12 can catch a break they need some uh, momentum they need some chatter discussion they need a headline Deion Sanders has been the headline. Primetime has been a massive hit at Colorado. He's not going to be available for Pac-12 Media Day because he's having surgery on his foot due to that blood clot. So he's going to miss Media Day. And I'm, and I'm seeing this thing. Deion is going to hold his own Media Day, but they're not going to announce a new TV partner or a new media contract. They've already said. And now primetime's not there. Is this going to be attended or not? I, I mean, I'm half joking. But when I heard this news, I thought, why have Pac-12 media days if Deion Sanders isn't there? He is the draw. He's what everyone wants to see and hear. Well, Andy Staples said he was planning on going until he found out they weren't going to announce the media rights deal that had been reported that was close. And you would think you would do that when all the media is gathering and unveil it there, but they're not doing that. It'll be, what, August or beyond, I believe, is what the report is? Yeah, I mean, you know, Lincoln Riley uh, yeah, in the last Pac-12 you know, season, yeah. I guess, is a, is a good draw for this, but, I mean, I, I saw that he wasn't going to be there. I'm thinking, what, why would anyone attend Pac-12 media days if it's not going to be Deion Sanders being a part of it? San Diego State not, will, will not attend uh, the Pac-12 as a member institution uh, anytime soon next two years at least they're in the mountain west they get out of that contract cost them roughly 34 million dollars to the program although they told players according to uh the guys currently on the roster that a year ago they were told they get ready we're going to be joining the pac-12 and as recent as a month ago they thought yeah this is a foregone conclusion they played their card they gambled they were waiting out the mountain west and they tried to get the invitation from the Pac-12, except Colorado didn't jump to the Big 12, and there wasn't a spot for the invitation at the end of it. I wonder how much they overpromised in recruiting about a move to Pac-12. When I first saw this, I'm thinking, I bet this is a selling point on the road in recruiting. 
hey, come to San Diego State. We're not going to be in the Mountain West for long. We're about to make the move to the Pac-12. Or don't transfer yet. Then you're going to be a part of that. Yeah, stay another year because then you might be playing in the Pac-12. Instead of transferring to this Pac-12 program, just stay here at San Diego State, and you will be in a, in a Pac-12 program. So I, I, I saw this and immediately wondered how much they're selling that in recruiting, the, the, the lure of being in a Power 5 conference. Uh, Kenny Dillingham's the new coach at Arizona State. You mentioned recruiting and selling and pitching players. Here's his answer on the percentage of recruiting that just simply comes down to money. Oh, NIL is 80% of recruiting, 75% of recruiting. So to think that it's not is naive, but the way you do it is different. Like I hope the players that choose to come here get paid the maximum amount of money they could ever get paid more than anybody in the country. That's what I hope. I hope I do such a good job that people, that businesses flock to pay our players more than anybody in the country because we have a valley behind it. And if you don't think that your one business can make a difference, you're, you're, you're false. It's not true. Your one business supporting one player, reaching out to one player on Twitter and saying, we're going to pay you blank amount of money a month to do this is critical. It's huge. You don't understand because there's so many businesses. So everybody's important there, and that's the activating the valley piece. Uh, but it is, NIL is essential, but I don't want a kid, I want to reward our guys who are here. I want people to get NIL who wanted to be here. Not getting a kid here illegally, by the way, you can't actually do that in NCAA rules, uh, to entice them with NIL. I want the Valley to support the people who choose to be here at such a high rate that it gets out that, man, Coach, they didn't ever talk about it, but golly, that kid over there, he's making blank amount. Look at him. He's everywhere. This kid over here, he's making blank around. They're starting quarterbacks making blank. Their linebackers are making blank. Everybody on their team makes blank because one big company paid a million dollars to pay all their players to do four events for them because they wanted the events. That's how I want NIL. I want the city to wrap around this team and use this team. You have a charity and you want your kid, you want a mentorship program, there's a company MVP foundation that's going to get behind our players and they're going to start getting our athletes and paying our athletes to be mentors for inner city youth. That's what it's for. That's what I want people to think about Arizona State is help our players, utilize our players to activate the community, help everybody, and then the recruits will see it. They'll see what we're doing and they'll want to be a part of it and we'll never even have to discuss it. I can focus on actually helping them be successful in life. I love everything Dillingham is saying there. Uh, Chad, This, uh, as he's talking, I'm thinking, there are programs that are so far behind. At this point, they don't really have a chance to catch up without the major donor that is all of a sudden just going to give a crap. Who hasn't, right? And if you didn't jump in and just acknowledge that name, image, likeness, and the, the free-for-all was wide open because the NCAA took a step back and, and had no leadership, um, if you didn't acknowledge that as a program, as a university, as a department for athletics on your campus at the time in 2021, you're really behind uh, across the country and competing with what he's talking about. And then, aside from all that, state legislation, state-by-state -state guidance, instead of a governing body actually coming up with guardrails and an and overriding rule book to follow, that's another issue that you also have to battle that is totally out of their hands. It's a never-ending uh, 
cause in recruitment that a program like Arizona State, at least to me, isn't going to be able to keep up with if a player's offered more to go elsewhere. I don't know if you can just continue to pay that guy more at the Sun Devils program. I, I liked everything he had to say. I also loved how he said it. This guy, just watching that video, is going to quickly become one of the more entertaining coaches in all of college football. A very young guy. Had a little bit of Andrew Luck to his voice. A little bit. Also into the yeah, speech pattern of how he was talking. Book club. I, I'm, I'm really interested in the Activate the Valley piece that he mentioned. That's our Activate the Valley piece that we've talked about. Uh, I'd like to know exactly what that is. It's got to be their I, fundraising I, campaign. I don't buy that this is true for all programs. It may be true for Arizona State. There may be a lot of guys Arizona State's looking at, and 75 to 80% for them, it comes down to money. Um, I do think that there it's a lower percentage at the bigger, better programs. And what I mean by that is not that they're not getting paid in NIL in some way. I mean that it's all kind of equal at a certain level. And they really are looking at what's best for them, whether it be close to home, whether it be a coach, whether it be an offensive or defensive system. I still think that matters. I don't think 75 to 80% of all recruits just simply comes down to NIL money and, and nothing else. Maybe, and, and the, I, I don't know Kenny Dillingham's program the way he does. That may very well be true at Arizona State. I'm not quick to say that's true across the board in college football. But I, I like what he had to say. He's, he's clearly a guy who has a good grasp on what his program is, what it needs to be in order to be successful. Yeah, but he, his his energy there, it's, and, and he should bring this to Arizona State, his energy sounds like the offensive coordinator at Oregon, at Florida State, and Auburn. Yeah. You know, the support at those programs is vastly different. And because in 2023, as we sit here going into football season, you've got the new head coach trying to activate funds to back players that, are looking for, I mean, he's talking about a million dollars for four. That, that's not happening. But the, he's exaggerating on purpose, and that's totally received a different way at the three previous po- programs I just mentioned, right? Yeah. You don't bat an eye, but like, well, the quarterback's probably getting that. Well, and I think with a million dollars, he's talking about all the players or a bunch of players. You right. know, our right. players show up for a million dollars yeah. for four appearances, and they split it up or, or something like that. But, yeah, I mean – Kenny Dillingham is he is a a Tempe Arizona Phoenix area guy through and through. I think he went to high school in Scottsdale. Uh, he went to Arizona State. You know, w- w- was going to be a player there and got hurt, and then was uh, a manager and then graduate assistant. So he knows that area and knows that program as well as anyone. So if he's saying it, it's true about what they're looking at with who they're recruiting, and and he's right. I mean that's. It does take that. Like you got to get a market that size with that many businesses, try to get a number of them aligned behind one program. You want that to be your football program if you're Dillingham. Chad, uh, I'm beginning to buy into Saquon Barkley actually threatening to uh, sit out games. I don't think it's the right decision, but he's feeling disrespected. I don't think he's the most disrespected player in the NFL currently. I don't know if you think he is or not. He feels that way based on he's only getting – 10.1 million on the franchise tag, and he wants more. He wants to be compensated long-term and money up front in a contract extension. Who would you say is the most disrespected player in the league currently right now? Yeah, this st- stems from someone that goes by Kimberly A, filling, filling in for Stephen A, who said that Jalen Hurts is the most disrespected uh, NFL player in the history of the game. Um, I think it's Kirk Cousins. 
And, and I you say can that, make that argument easily. I, I say that for this reason. Rarely when an offense hums the way the Vikings offense can hum mm-hmm. is the quarterback not getting credit for it. Yeah, Justin Jefferson is getting discussion for MVP and talk. Dalvin Cook, I think, got a lot of the credit too. You know, I, I think yeah. it was less about Kirk Cousins and more about those guys. And I'm here to argue on behalf of Kirk Cousins that we need to be talking about Kirk Cousins as the, as the guy who drives that offense. And, and he's the, a big part of it and is very good. I mean, I don't know. I think disrespected is such a, a strong word. I, I think he's undervalued because – not because Justin Jefferson's overvalued, but because when you look at that team on offense, you think Justin Jefferson is the reason and Kirk Cousins doesn't have much to do with it. Well, I'm, I'm here to say that he does have a lot to do with it. So I'm going Kirk Cousins. I think part of the, the view on him, he's made a ton of money. I've, I've, got, a, I've got the numbers and the guarantees he's received. Um, but a part of the view on him is whenever he's in prime time, he's not showing out very well, right? Yeah. It, his record in, in the prime time slot in the NFL was like 0-12 at one point. He finally got his first one recently, I believe. For, I'm, wa- I'm watching the quarterback series, and he, yeah. you know, he's a, a third of it. People are raving about him. Yeah, he's great in it. They're, the one knock on Kirk Cousins, and I've heard this a number of times, is that sometimes he's an overthinker, and he thinks too much, and he gets a little too hard on himself. And then he overthinks a mistake, and it can become more mistakes. I saw a little bit of that. He missed a wide-open pop play that was a well-designed play where K.J. Osborne, I think, was wide open in week two or week three a year ago. He's getting hit as he throws it, but he throws it about 10 yards too far, and it would have been a touchdown on the play. And he is talking about that on the sideline. He's talking about (sighs) it after the game. You know, he's telling the the camera guy when he's he's like, you just can't in the NFL – miss a play like that when we did so well to design it, install it just for that moment, and then I screwed up the pass. Chad, for me, it's Austin Eckler because the guy has led the league in touchdowns over the last two years. And uh, if you're a fantasy football owner of of Austin Eckler, you certainly know the numbers. Uh, But 23 combined touchdowns, 13 rushing, 5 receiving uh, this past season. He had 18 touchdowns in 2022 and whenever he's not in the game the Chargers have a combined 15 scores for all running backs combined there the the value for what he's meant to the Chargers offense 100 catches uh, out of the backfield he's their go-to he's their bell cow even on passing downs on third down and pass they're giving him the football that's got to change in the percentage there They've got to really get Herbert better execution on third down beyond just the running back. But he's as productive in getting the ball across the goal line with really not enough recognition for what he means to wins and losses and keeping them in games, not just for Staley, but also the perception of Herbert. Um, I, I think he's fantastic. He's undervalued, and I do think, you, especially knowing that he's not highly sought after coming out of college, and he's done this, where his name is atop the, the leaderboards in production and scoring, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he feels disrespected. And he's ready to move on to a different team unless he can get a big contract extension. And that's not going to happen because teams just have the mindset, just like the Giants, just like the Raiders, they can find these guys, just like the Chargers found Austin Eckler. 
Yeah, and he jumped in as part of that running back coalition, chiming in on, on Twitter the other day. This is a great answer because of the way he's used in the past game also. I mean, he is he is more than just a running back. And we can make the argument for all, all these guys that are at the top of their game. They're, they're more than a running back at times. And Austin Eckler definitely fits that bill. He's among the top in the league, and he's 15th, I believe, in compensation for running backs in the league. No, which is crazy. But then you've got Barkley, who isn't going to sign the 10.1. Who won't get the average of the top five at the position. Right. Uh, Armando Salguero is about to join us. Barkley is saying, yeah, look, I, I know that I've got the only leverage play is to sit out games. He's not going to get fined to sit out training camp practices. And he's insinuating he's also he also knows what it would mean to the fan base. And the, the, the crushing blow it would mean to that offense. And, Giants have a ton of momentum. They're bringing him back on the tag for a reason. And he's threatening to sit out regular season games, which would, on a 10.1 guaranteed deal, cost him over $590,000 per game on a weekly compensation that he would forfeit. And he's willing to do so. Le'Veon Bell needs to do more than just apologize to the Steelers. He needs to pick up the phone and tell Eckler and, and anyone, Barkley, not to do this. We'll leave with Salguero next. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Joined by Armando Salguero of Outkick, who does all things with great coverage of the NFL. No longer beachside. He joins us from the Orange Bowl. Uh, quick transition there. Amado, good to see you, man. So, very interesting. I have come to uh, breaking news that you guys bet behind the scenes <laughs> on what the background backdrop, is going to yeah. be. Yep. I, I love it. It's, and, it's and a big part of the studio every, every week, these, uh, these uh, inside studio bets. Well, being a businessman, I would like to... <laughs> Just invite whomever to, you know, hit me up and sign me for a little bit of uh, that action, by, by the way. Inside yeah. action. Not just a businessman, but a smart businessman. Armando Salguero joins us. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he's playing this the, the, the smart way as a businessman and, and threatening to sit out games? Uh, he's not going to sit out games. Come on now. Um, so the franchise tag is $10.096 million, $10.1 million effectively. Um, I believe that rounds out to like, what? Do the math per, per 17 or yeah, 18. Yeah, it's uh, $594,117 per game. So I asked I ask myself and I ask you rhetorically, is Saquon Barkley going to say no to $500,000 plus per week just to sit at home and make a point that really um, well, has already been decided one yeah, way or the other? You're right. I, I, and I agree with you. I mean, I, it would be dumb to turn it down. I don't know why you would go on the, uh, uh, for lack of a better way to describe a PR tour, claiming that you're going to do this um, and, and – I mean, Le'Veon Bell was doing that, and then he actually did it, and he regrets it. I don't know why Barkley would threaten to do it when he can't get an extension right now anyway. 
Um, it, to me, it's just, uh, why say it if you're just going to show up? Now, he's not going to get fined to, to skip training camp because he's not technically under contract until he signs that and it's guaranteed. It's just a weird way to go about it, Armando, considering 12 months ago, he was all in looking to prove everyone wrong that he was back from injury, and he hit the ground running in week one and was a big reason why the Giants started out so hot. Four months ago, he was all in on getting a deal done and told his agent, yeah. let's finish it off. Yeah. Uh, look, this is a, an emotional thing. Um, this is the reason that agents exist, because agents are paid to be not emotional in negotiations, but rather pragmatic and understand, you know, the give and take of it all. Players aren't that. Players have a belief in themselves and more so a belief in themselves that the average human being doesn't have. That's the reason that they are one, you know, out of a population of 330 million, there's only like 1,400 of them. And so, and Saquon Barkley, <laughs> he's among the best of those 14 or 1,500. So you don't get there by just thinking you're just another guy. You don't get there by not believing in yourself. And when you believe in yourself to that height, you're emotional. And you, you're, you're like, you're, you don't understand how all those other idiots can't believe in you to that height. Well, and speaking of emotion and an emotional decision, uh, the NFLPA president is talking about maybe faking an injury to gain leverage and show your value. After the season starts, probably not the smartest thing to go on a show and say if you're the NFL PA president. JC Treader was a fine center in the NFL, but as a, um, a guy to ask for wisdom on, he was a fine center in the NFL. Okay. Um, not only is that dumb to suggest out loud, it's, it's really bad to suggest um even in in private one of the things that the nfl values the most and comes down on people the hardest for is integrity of the game that goes directly to integrity of the game does it not oh yeah i mean when you've got guys basically would that would be play this out that would be lying about how they you know what their status is <laughs> that's like me saying I can't write today because, you know, my hand is, I, I, I can't type. I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> after, hey, and, knows, that, and that would be after, after claiming that you deserve to be compensated as the greatest writer in uh, sports writing history. I mean, it, you know, that's, that's also, it, it's just crazy that uh, the, the president of the NFLPA would be touting the idea that Barkley and anyone else, Jacobs, should just sign the contract, which is guaranteed, the, the tender, and then, oh, man, my knee is really sore. I can't go for this month. I mean, it's just stupid. Well, forget the greatest writer, the greatest typist. And, I'm, and I like show up to work like this the, yeah. that morning, and I go, I can't type. I can't type. I can't do it. No, look, look, I can do it. I can type. I'm good. So when when Adam Schefter reports that the Jets are being uncooperative 
with with hard knocks. What exactly does that mean? Well, what what, what level of uncooperative are we talking about with this? The Jets are not uncooperative with Hard Knocks. They're going to do it. Hard Knocks is going to put their stuff where they're going to put their stuff. The Jets had some uh, concerns, and they voiced those with Hard Knocks. By the way, the Jets are not the first team to voice their concerns with Hard Knocks. And the people at Hard Knocks, for they get a bad reputation unwarranted because those folks are pros. And they work with the teams. And typically the teams have a good amount of say as to what gets on air and what does not. And so uh, I, I'm not, the, the Jets were not uncooperative. And the reason that it gets labeled that way is because the Jets play where? Oh, yeah, they play in the biggest media market in the NFL. And every molehill turns into a, a mountain and not just a mountain. Of a mountain. And so anything that the that hints of of discussion, negotiation, anything like that, it's an issue. And so we are going to see a lot of this, a lot of this this year. I wrote on Outkick earlier this week. The Jets are have embarked on the most scrutinized NFL season maybe ever because everything that happens to the New York Jets is going to be headlines and huge and lead sports center and be on the back page. And it's 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 like we're going to be captivated by regular NFL news. And you know what? Hard Knocks is going to have great. Uh, it's going to be received perfectly because as uncooperative as the Jets are reportedly being, more people are going to tune in. And I haven't watched Hard Knocks in full in a long time. People are going to watch this just for the intrigue, exactly what you're saying. Armando Salguero with us from Outkick.com with NFL news and uh, notes from the week. Today uh, has been the NFL owners' meetings uh, started around 2 p.m. Eastern up in Minneapolis. And it's reported they're set to approve the Josh Harris uh, ownership of the Washington Commanders. This is on uh, what, a week after there were concerns that it may not get to that point uh, based on whatever Daniel Snyder was throwing in last minute or maybe it was just surfacing publicly. Uh, but they're, they need 24 of the 32 to make this happen. This is going to happen. And Armando, it's, it, it, it's because they want Snyder out at any cost, regardless of whatever concessions they have to make to approve this deal based on the guidelines they may have to set aside to make sure Dan Snyder is no longer an owner. I spoke with an ownership source earlier today who told me that he would be surprised if it's not unanimous. Yeah. We're not talking 24 of 32. We're talking the bar he was expecting was 32 of 32. And he asked me this, who is going to vote? To keep Dan Snyder. Dan name, Snyder. Give me that name. <laughs> what, what owner is going to say, oh, no, no. <laughs> let's, let's think about this. This is not smart. Let's, let's, let's put this off a little bit. And I'm not comfortable getting rid of Dan Snyder and replacing him with Josh Harris, who is the co-owner of the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Armando that person doesn't exist. 
in that room. And so, yeah, uh, it, it's going to happen. Here's the question that has to be asked. The NFL has an ongoing, at this point, investigation into the Washington Commanders. Uh, the AG in D.C., man, I'm cool. I use those alphabets. Really cool. Um, the AG in D.C. is investigating and actually sued Dan Snyder, the Commanders, the NFL, and Roger Goodell. What happens to all of that? I mean, do we really care anymore if the guy's gone, number one? And number two, did Dan Snyder, was he able to, to work out a negotiation where, hey, I'm going. Why, are you why would you release an investigation on me, NFL? And does, does Harris assume that if the, if the commanders are being sued? You know, that does, would, and Harris would not want to assume that, Chad. No, no not, not at all. Uh, are you buying the Tom Curran report that Bill Belichick is under a lot of pressure this year and is on the hot seat with Robert Kraft? He's under a lot of pressure. Un Robert Kraft has been signaling for two years now that he's unhappy, and we've talked about it on this show before, that he's unhappy with the fact that the New England Patriots either haven't gotten to the playoffs or haven't won a playoff game and certainly haven't done uh, the latter since Tom Brady left. <laughs> and there was one guy who convinced Robert Kraft to get rid of Tom Brady and told him Tom Brady is no longer the same player that he was. We need to go and move on from Tom Brady. Better to do it now than later. And Robert Kraft said, well, you know better than anyone. And the guy that knew better than anyone Armando Salguero uh, with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We'll, uh, um, we're reconnecting with him right now. Pick up where uh, uh, you were discussing there on uh, Belichick yeah. and, and, and Kraft, Armando. So, yeah, I left. I think I left off where, you know, Belichick made a terrible call on Tom Brady and what he had left in the tank. And, you know, Robert Kraft noted that, noted the fact that the Patriots have stunk. Noted the fact that the Patriots are not the Patriots without Tom Brady, even when they have Bill Belichick. And note, have noted the fact that, you know, they're kind of a this year, uh, if you look at them on paper, they are the fourth best team in the AFC East, which is okay, except for the fact that there's four teams <laughs> in the AFC East. And so, uh, Either Bill Belichick does a great job and elevates from those, you know, terrible expectations, or yeah, he's under a certain amount of, you know, hot seat warmness. I wouldn't think that he's going to be fired though. It it's it's a degree thing. Yes. The New England Patriots go one and sixteen. <laughs> yeah. It's it's goodbye, Bill. And but I, I don't see that happening. And Mike Reese and, and Tom Curran are connected there, and they're saying it, which is where, where there's smoke, there's fire. Armando, uh, final 30 seconds or so here. Outside of Rodgers, as camps across the NFL begin in roughly five days, most begin on July 25th, what is the storyline, the topic we will be discussing that we'll see major coverage with? The NFL hasn't had a repeat Super Bowl winner since I think 2003, 
or four when, you know, yeah. Bill Belichick and Tom yeah. Brady did. What's the best team in the NFL right now? Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And they won it last year. They could repeat doing something that hasn't been done in two decades. I kind of like football. I know everybody's going to look to the disaster in New York or, <laughs> or you know, the to see how that unfolds because we all watch accidents on the, you know, on the spot as we drive by, everybody's going to wait to see what happens with the running backs and all that. I kind of like good football yep. and Kansas city chiefs, pretty good football. Can they repeat? Some good teams, some really bad teams and the team at the top. Kansas City. I'm with you, Armando. Armando, great coverage as always. We look forward to it as camps begin uh, across the league, and we'll catch up next week. There he is. Sounds the Thank senior you. writer for the NFL at OutKick, Armando Salguero. Stephen A. and Shannon Sharp, are they teaming up on first take? That's next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Stephen A. and Shannon Sharp, are they teaming up on first take? There were lingering rumors, uh, speculation, discussion about Shannon Sharp since leaving Undisputed with Skip Bayless that he would be the replacement for McAfee. And the obvious link is with first take and in, in ESPN with Stephen A. And Stephen A is going to announce and address uh, the moving forward with the show on first take on his show tomorrow, the podcast tomorrow. And he says, hey, look, at, look for me on Friday. I'll be addressing all things I need to address on the Stephen A. Smith show podcast. Um, and then live for first take Monday morning. See y'all in a minute. Buckle up. And then Shannon Sharp responded to that. What you addressing on Friday? I got some free time, so feel free to FaceTime me before my meetings with the, the popcorn. Uh, the FaceTime going back to a, a man shouldn't FaceTime another man. Yeah. Uh, this is obvious, isn't it? It makes sense. It does. Um, what I read, though, from Andrew Marshawn was a report that he is in discussion with ESPN of being like a... A, a lengthy contributor that not a co-host, but someone who's going to debate Stephen A. Smith a lot and also appear on other shows. Well, so it would be like we've seen. Uh, I, they, I, they've I, had kind of a revolving door of like J.J. Uh, Reddick and Kendrick Perkins and Chris Mad Dog. Mad Dog is getting 10 grand per day yeah. every time he's on. So I, I think that, that that's what I read from from another report was that he's going to be more of a, a, a long-term, revolving character well, that debates Stephen A. Smith. He could do that, and could he also replace McAfee at the same time? I mean, there are I different mean, hosts that go on that show or would, would join him to uh, – would join Stephen A. in various roles. Uh, most are with ESPN, but it's not unheard of to see a, a player or a you know, former coach come in and sit in with him. Yeah, I mean, uh, theoretically, he could, for sure. Yeah. Would make sense. Um, and it, if not, I don't know which way they turn, honestly, because it's so obvious with Shannon Sharp and the work that he's put in, and, of course, the respect that they each have for each other. 
What do you think uh, Bayless thinks about it? That's um, what I would love to know behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, probably doesn't love it. I also, part of me wishes that you know ESPN would go and, and find someone that we're not thinking about and get creative with it Well, it's uh, not, for a co-host. But Stephen but, A gets to choose that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to have a, a sign-off on it. But, yeah, I'd say Skip Bayless doesn't like it. Dan Patrick. Uh, Chad, I, I know you agree with me. We, we've, uh, we've known Dan for a while. Uh, one of the very best in the business. He has announced his retirement date, and he set it for December of 2027. Went ahead and, and put this out there. Uh, <laughs> four and a half years, I'm going to do this by uh, January of 2028. I'll, I'll be on the Golden Bachelor. Yeah. That's when my microphone gets turned off for the final time. Uh, he has done and accomplished a, a ton throughout his career. I love his interviews. Uh, I love his attention to detail. And then leaving ESPN and building what he has uh, with Dan and the Danettes uh, for the Dan Patrick Show. I don't want him to announce a retirement date, honestly. I, I enjoy the show anytime I get to catch it. And, uh, of course, uh, the one-on-one interviews that he's able to, uh, to have there. Well, he may be the shining example or one of them of leaving the mothership and really prospering. You know, he... Yeah. he created himself Rich with his Eisen style into a star at ESPN on SportsCenter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying he's the only one. He's he is one of the shining examples, though, that you can go on, do your own thing, do something different, and that's what he's done with his syndicated radio show that's also you know streamed on. It's, it's been on different networks over the years, but I think it's on Peacock now. Um, he's terrific. We've hung out with him a couple times before at yeah. the Super Bowl. As and, I, I grew up on SportsCenter, and I grew up on Dan Patrick on SportsCenter as one of the anchors. He's one of the very best in the business. So whenever he decides to hang it up, it will be at the end of a very good career. What's this saying about the future of where he believes this is headed? Because he says it's a young man's game. I'm the oldest guy doing this. I enjoy it. But by this date, and he's telling them, I guarantee you have my word, his, you know, everyone that works for him, uh, you know when I'm leaving. I mean, I just think that he's uh, decided he doesn't want to do a daily show anymore. I mean, you could say all that about Young Man's Game. He could do this for as long as he wanted because he's still very, very good. There's no decline or drop-off. I think that's just him saying, I've made enough money, and this is I've got four more years left in me. And I think mentally it's probably, it's probably a refresher to yeah. go ahead and put that date out there and know you've got it circled and you're saying, I'm going into retirement four years from now on this date. I think that is probably psychologically better for you than leaving it in limbo year to year or not really knowing. So if that's the date he, he wanted to circle and he wanted to get out and that's the age he wanted to end on, good for him. Justin Fields has put himself among the NFL greats for quarterbacks and uh, a key category, rushing quarterbacks, QB, yardage, and production. He put himself in the top five. Here's the Chicago Bears quarterback now. Being a historian of the game, watching the game, mm -hmm. if you had to rank your top five quarterbacks in regards to running. In regards to running? Yeah. All and right. you can throw yourself in the list too. Oh, I am. Because I definitely think I am. Uh, okay, so start with Justin. He's in the top five. I'm running definitely in the top five, no order. But I got to go with my boy Mike Vick. Yep. Um, got to go with Cam. Uh, Lamar, of course. Yeah. Me and then final. Steve Young, too. Steve Young. Steve Young. Steve Shots Young out to man. Steve Young. Okay, Steve I like Young, that. Man. I like that. That's uh, 
Justin Fields on uh, NFL and CBS there on their Twitter account. Um, I, I don't mind his top five. And if you look at his numbers and, and uh, kind of where he could head with this, it's Lamar Jackson type production. So I don't think he's far off, especially if we're all, and we'll find out in a moment where you would put Lamar Jackson, Chad. But if you think Lamar Jackson's in the top five, and I do, uh, based on games and, and yardage, Justin Fields could also reach that based on how this offense runs. It runs through him, literally. It's a projection. I mean, when he puts himself in the top five, you're still projecting. He very well may be that by the end of his career, but he hasn't done it enough yet, at least for me. When I'm thinking all-time great rushing quarterbacks in the NFL, I'm not putting him on the list because he hasn't done it long enough. So, yes, by the end of his career, he could be there. So he had that's 1,100 rushing yards last year. Way too much. Now, he's also there are also uh, media members saying that he's claiming that he is going to be the first Bears quarterback to pass for over 4,000 yards at the same time. If that happens, and he still is the same type of producer on the ground, that's Lamar Jackson MVP-like numbers that unanimous year. Again, that puts him in that category, too. I, I like how confident he is. And he certainly, Jackson holds the single season record for yards by a quarterback running at a little over 1,200. And Fields is coming off a season where he had 11, or he's about 100 yards off. Yeah, but again, not top five all time based on the short career so far. But as a projection, maybe by the end of it, he, he could be there. And he was a guy, I remember him being pissed off when he fell in the draft. I think he was 11 to the Bears, mm -hmm. 11 yeah. or 12. Yeah. And I remember him being angry when, when that happened. So he's a, he's a competitive, confident guy. Chad, let's uh, take a look at our top five. Who would, our top five quarterbacks all time for NFL rushing. And we'll show you uh, each. We'll see where we compare and, and where we agree and then disagree. I'm, I'm putting up top Michael Vick. 143 games. Over 6,000 rushing yards. He averaged throughout his career seven yards anytime he tucked and ran, and 36 touchdowns on top of that, and the production that he had with the Falcons through the air. Uh, I'm, I've got Vic up top, and I've got uh, down low uh, Steve Young. You're higher on Steve Young. I just don't think of Young the same way that I do the others in my top four, and for that, He's top five all time. His numbers are going to be better than some of the guys I'm going to have ahead of him. But when I think NFL quarterbacks and runners, for me, I'm thinking of a, a the era just post Steve Young. Yeah, look, I this probably surprised no one. I didn't look up a single stat for, for this right here because I'm a story guy. I'm not necessarily a stat guy. I am looking at guys that I have watched and I have seen footage of. Maybe I wasn't even alive when they were playing. But when I think of running quarterback, I'm thinking of these guys. And obviously at number five, I've got the great rushing quarterback, Tom Brady, and at number five. Oh, yes. Why is Tom Brady at number five, you ask? He's the best quarterback sneaker in the history of football. And the quarterback sneak continues to be the most underutilized play in all of football in short yardage. But Tom Brady loved to call that play. And he would get first downs three yards out at times because he was so good at the quarterback sneak. For that skill set alone, I've got him number five on my list. I, I totally agree with that. Just 
they other quarterbacks don't use it enough. It's not called enough. Nope. Uh, Brady uh, made a career out of getting that half a yard that was needed. Randall Cunningham, uh, for me, Chad, uh, absolutely top five. And he comes to mind when I think of just pure quarterback runners. And he set the tone for the era that he was playing in from the 80s, playing with Young, and went toe-to-toe with him on all of the production that we saw on the ground. I like it. And uh, that's one that is going to appear on my list as well. Number four for me is uh, Fran Tarkenton. Um, Mm. Didn't watch a lot of Fran Tarkenton live. He was drafted in 1961. I was born in 1982. But I have watched a lot of NFL films footage. And when you talk running quarterbacks and you talk to – People my dad's age, and you talk running mobile quarterbacks, two guys come to mind, Fran Tarkenton and Roger Staubach. Roger the Dodger is another one. Now, I don't have Roger Staubach on this list. I went with Fran Tarkenton over him at number four, uh, but those are two guys it's always talked about. Chad, uh, Cam Newton, top three for me. He's a defensive end playing quarterback, extremely hard to tackle, and always found the edge when every defense is trying to set the edge against him and make him step up in the pocket, collapse the pocket around him. Teams couldn't do it when he was at his peak, when he's in his MVP era, and he's got over 5,600 yards to prove it throughout his career second all-time. Number three, Randall Cunningham. You mentioned him, Hutton. You have him at number four. But another guy just electrifying when you see some of his runs. And and when I think of – an era of NFL football where there weren't a lot of quarterbacks running, Randall Cunningham in that era immediately comes to mind as someone who could make plays with their legs. Lamar Jackson, number two. Put some respect on his name. Uh, Randall Cunningham played 161 games and rushed for 4,900 yards. Lamar Jackson, 70 games, 4,437 yards. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's a great one. Probably should have had him on my list too. Uh, but I didn't. Uh, I've got my favorite quarterback growing up, Steve Young, um, who is not as fast as Lamar Jackson. A little lefty. Not as explosive. But when I think of guys that could just get it done somehow, some way, and will their way with the football in their hands, it's Steve Young. All right, so you know I'm going with Vic up top. Yep. You the same? I'm doing it too. Mike Vick. And Mike Vick's the guy, if you polled Lamar Jackson, would tell you he's the yes. greatest running quarterback ever. Justin Fields, anyone. Justin Fields had him at number one, right? Yes. I think also. I mean, that, he is the even the quarterback's guy that would say is the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. I'm going Vic. Uh, Vic in his prime, when you went through NFL locker rooms, at the time Sports Illustrated would come in and they would poll. They would have a straw poll, uh, anonymous poll. If you weren't playing for your current quarterback, who would you like to play with? It wasn't Tom Brady. It wasn't Peyton Manning. Uh, it wasn't some of the usual names. Everyone, like 97%, the same amount of uh, players responded to this poll the way a Division One college basketball coach would respond to an expansion of, or no expansion, of uh, the tournament. Everyone said Mike Vick. That's their guy. And they're all playing video games with him at the time. Yeah. He's, yeah, it was, it was a cheat code. Mike Vick, both at Virginia Tech and uh, in his prime with the Falcons. Coming up, everyone is uh, taking notes very well on how the PGA Tour failed miserably and how they handled the messaging of pairing up with Live Golf. And examples next.